With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Rick Munn is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yep, still going, still going at it here. It's Friday, the 23rd of February, 2024. I'm Rick Munn. This is Locked and Loaded, and we are live. We are unscripted, and we are uncompromising in what we do here at TNT Today's News Talk. I think you understand that by now. If you're new to the station, uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. And, of course, many long-term regulars know what we're all about here and that uh, they are also enjoying the content. Another action-packed hour coming up, Gemma, will be talking to me very, very shortly. And then uh, new blood on the show, Andreas Mitchley. I hope I've got the name right. Uh, no doubt he'll correct me if I haven't. Uh, he is a proud father, a health and fitness entrepreneur and also an independent candidate. For Mayor of London, he's got a lot of unsavory things to say about Sadiq Khan, so he's more than welcome here uh, on my show. And also, Greg Mabry will be joining me uh, to round off the show in about uh, 40 minutes' time, half an hour, 40 minutes' time from Western Australia. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, I'm sure you know this. TNT have a lot of merchandise that are available. I was checking the chat earlier on and uh, somebody was talking about bandanas for their dog. They don't wear a collar on their dog. They have a bandana. I said, why don't you get a TNT bandana? I said, do they TNT do bandanas? Yes, we do. We do just about everything. And a lot of people have actually made suggestions for merchandise and we've went ahead and uh, produced it. Uh, I know some of the people were looking for bumper stickers. We have those with all sorts of uh, apparel. We've got hoodies and we've got uh, baseball caps, the whole shooting match. And not only are they tasty, uh, and very well made, but also it may you will be a walking billboard or transform your car into a driving billboard for the one and only TNT. So use the website, have a browse at it, check it out. Uh, also, you'll be able to look and see who's on, uh, check out any missed episodes. Uh, you can watch them back there or you can listen back to them. And of course, uh, you can support us. We have a donate function as well. And if you feel led to uh, throw a few shekels into the, uh, maybe shouldn't use shekels in case someone thinks I'm a Zionist, uh, a few groats or a few euro into the uh, TNT war coffers, then please do that. Because you know what? People are saying, oh, you're funded, you're controlled opposition, you're this. We're not. Anybody that's been following us from the start, we're not controlled opposition. And to be honest, you know, I don't think I've changed my show in any way, shape or form since day one. I'm still banging out the same type of content, albeit with different people and keeping it up to date. But my style hasn't changed. My delivery hasn't changed. I ain't no Mossad agent. Uh, or if I was, I sure, certainly wouldn't tell you people about it. If people are thinking, Rick, you're too stupid to be controlled intelligence, maybe that's just an act as well. Maybe it's a double bluff. Who knows? Who knows? Leave me a message in the live chat. Rick Munn, controlled opposition. Yes or no, I've been called a Freemason. I've been called a shill. I've been called demonic, satanic, everything you like. And guess what? I don't give a damn. I don't care what you say about me or think about me. I'm a Teflon rhino. I've got thick skin and I'm non-stick. It doesn't matter what you say. It ain't going to affect me. But anyway, before uh, I welcome Gemma. No, in fact, stuff it. Uh, let's take a break and welcome her on right now. Why wait? Why wait? Let's get her on here on TNT. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Yeah, my professionalism, Gem, it shines through every day, doesn't it? It shines through. What a professional I am. Well, it's funny. I've been I've been accused of all sorts as well, you know, because I'm ex BBC, so I've had all the same things thrown at me. I mean, I'm not on social media or anything, but I've I've appeared on quite a few different alternative media outlets over the last few years, and then some of the comments underneath are less than flattering. Or oh, once BBC, always BBC. But I'm I'm actually um, I take it as a backhanded compliment that people feel the need to comment on my my old life, and I won't be held hostage to my past. I didn't know any better for a lot of it, but I do now. Um, if someone's paying me that much attention and feels the need to comment, then fine. That's that's okay, you know. Um, but I think it just comes with the territory of what we're doing. We're in uncharted waters, all of us, all of us. Um, who do you trust? Who do you not trust? I mean, you know, trust is a big thing. It has to be earned. Um, so I can understand why people have suspicions about all kinds of people mm -hmm. in the so-called freedom alternative movement, however you want to brand it. Um, but too much cynicism is wearing. I, I will say that it is a wearing thing. You know, there's also a, an argument for, you know, trust someone until your trust is broken rather than wait at decades and decades for somebody to, you know, to be able to earn your trust. It's, you know, that's my take on it. You've only got one life. Enjoy it. Try and be positive. I saw this thing and it makes me laugh. Uh, I saw this thing somebody put up the other day, some lunatic, absolute certifiable lunatic who has a social media account uh, to do with Freemasons. And he was talking, he was trying to analyze TNT to see where we are satanic Freemason organization. And he took the logo, you know, the TNT logo, and he was adding bits onto it and said, you see, that's 666. They're serving Lucifer. And then he took like TNT radio and he put it through some Kabbalistic numerology calculator and he said you see it comes out at 33 they're high level freemasons and if you add three to it and add six and subtract it you get the devil <laughs> how can you not laugh and then he was taking pictures of you know darren dd denslow and he ran his name through darren denslow and it came up as number 64 which means deceiver and he said you see he's an agent of the devil listen D.D. Denslow may well be an agent of Satan. I don't know. I haven't actually, I've met him once, but he's a damn good guy. And I don't think he has any satanic agenda. I don't know what they'd do if they ran your number through that calculator. Even poor Charlotte, they took a picture of her like drinking a cup of coffee and said, you see, she's doing some Masonic claw symbol, some demonic claw symbol. No, man, she's just drinking. She's drinking a cup of coffee. You know, people like that, we shouldn't really be worried about and we should feel sorry for them, should we not? Well, as long as they're listening, I don't. I don't really care if they're listening. They're watching. Hello, and you know, welcome aboard. Let's let's all try and get on. And we are TNT. Free speech is free speech. Those you know, perfectly yeah. entitled to your opinions. You're perfectly entitled to them. I think you know that's that's let's let's get away from this them and us. Everyone's entitled to think and and believe and and post exactly what they want. But it, we're equally free to say. Well, that's not actually true. So, <laughs> so there we are. That's where we are with it. And by the way, I do believe there are dark, evil, wicked, sinister forces at work in the in the world. But listen, I know I would say this anyway. Trust me, TNT is not one of them. Okay, and if it is, if it is some kind of cult organization, they have me well fooled. They have me well fooled, and I'm pretty pretty tuned on when it comes to spiritual discernment. But I just get a good feeling working here. I haven't met anyone that I haven't enjoyed working with yet. But yeah, uh, we, dig we digress. How did we end up talking about this this morning, Gemma? Let's uh, get back on track talking about uh, news. And this one's a little bit sad in a way, uh, but, you know, it is a sign of the times. Uh, the death 
of the Great British Pub is being reported on how 29 boozers are closing every week to become uh, supermarkets, DIY stores, takeaways and mosques as our favourite watering, ho watering holes battle to stay afloat. It is a bit of a sad one this because it is part of, you know, British and Irish culture, is it not? You know, sad to say, you know, going to the pub and getting leathered and then vomiting on ourselves and uh, ending up in the gutter. It's part of our tradition, isn't it? Damn it. Well, I think this is another a very sad indictment of the scamdemic legacy, actually, because as we know from, from 2020 onwards, the hospitality industry and pubs in particular were really hit with the biggest stick when it came to regulations and, and all kinds of weird behavioral things and you know all of that stuff affected the hospitality industry then and the legacy now is yeah nearly 30 pubs a week are closing across the uk uh, and, and and campaign groups are really worried because it is a part of a fabric of our culture you know that is it is our culture we are renowned for it worldwide we're not the hardest drinking nation in the world but we're not far off you know we do have this kind of pub culture and some of the buildings that they've highlighted in this in the report of the campaign groups you know these the old historic really beautiful old pubs, a lot of them around um, fishing ports and villages and towns, they're all going and they are being replaced with, you know, quite soulless places like, you know, pizza hut chains and, 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 and DIY stores, as you rightly say, they're not even being kind of turned into like heritage places. Um, but yeah, and there's one place, there's a few places cited in this report today. Um, you know, the Wales, for example, along the Mumbles coast, where Catherine Zeta Jones and Michael Douglas have a house, a beautiful stretch of the Welsh coastline. You know, there used to be 24 pubs there, and it was renowned. It was called the Mumbles Mile, and stag and hen parties from all across the UK and student groups and universities. It, it was a rite of passage. You know, you do the Mumbles Mile and go to all 24 pubs if you could take the pace. Um, there's now only four four pubs there and it's a really historic part of Wales it's got a lot of heritage but no uh, they're, they're closing last year for example 700 pubs shut their doors in the first six months of the year some of those were temporary closures as they struggled to rise uh, cope with the rise in energy prices but long-term closures last year 500 pubs shut their doors for good uh, the year before it was only 251 so it's doubled um, and, and publicans are, are, are citing definitely sky high energy costs we talked about the price cap coming down very very slightly at the top of the last hour I don't think it'd be enough to save more pubs and they're also saying you know people have got less disposable income because of the cost of living whether it's a manufactured crisis or a real crisis it's still a crisis people haven't got enough money now to go out just drinking or go for dinner um, and of course it's stopping social connections you know and I think that was one of the things that people first focused on during the scamdemic years. You know, you're trying to stop people getting together. You're trying to stop people talking to each other. But of course, it's worked. It's working. You know, if we carry on at this rate, there will be no pubs left. And many people are citing the price of alcohol from supermarkets and saying how much cheaper it is. But, you know, sitting at home drinking on your own as opposed to going out to a pub, it is part of the fabric of our culture. It goes back centuries. Even the monks in mon monasteries, they took a little wine, you know, they made beer because it was mm -hmm. it was healthier for them than drinking the water, which was polluted. So this is a part of a fabric of the UK way of life, the British way of life. Sadly, it seems it's on its way out. And of course, you would have to argue, is this deliberate? Was this a deliberate ploy from 2020 onwards that seems to be working and stop, you know, destroying the fabric of our culture and the way we interact with each other here in the UK, here in Britain? I think, uh, you know, right from the, the start of the lockdowns, that was my feeling that the hospitality industry was 
being targeted for all the reasons that you've just described. Number one, they're hubs in the community, uh, their tradition, they're part of our culture, part of uh, what we've grown up knowing. Uh, they're part of our identity, whether or not you drink in a pub or not, they're still part of our identity. You can't uh, take that away, especially in Ireland. You know, nothing's more infamous across the world than the old Irish pub. They're having the same problem. So when the pub closes down, whether or not you've used it or not, or whether or not you drink in a pub or not, a lot of people do, and a lot of people rely on that for social interaction, social co uh, contact, and of course, just simply to lift their spirits up maybe a little bit after a, a rough week. They want to go down for a few pints with their mates at the weekend. It helps them mentally. Pubs are independent businesses. They're self-employed. Uh, they, they have control over themselves. They, they Other people like suppliers, if they're doing food, obviously, a lot depends on the pub being open. And of course, when the lockdowns came and they closed down, a lot of them did pull the shutters down and couldn't afford to trade any longer. Now they've been sold on, Gemma. And uh, as this article has pointed out, they're being repurposed into other things and they'll never go back to being pubs again. Uh, it's a bit like hotels and guest houses. Circle uh, swooped in when they saw that their occupancy was going through the floor with the scandemic and the lockdowns. Then all of a sudden they said, well, we'll offer you full occupancy, five years, replace your staff, uh, replace any damages, just let us take control of these and let us put uh, asylum seekers and, and refugees and migrants in there. And of course, a lot of hoteliers and business owners grabbed that because they were in dire straits financially. So I think uh, this is part of the controlled demolition of our, our our culture and our our mental health and many, many other things, financial independence as well, and something that many, many people do look forward to of a weekend, you know, meeting up with friends at the pub or the wine bar, or the, the, the nightclub or whatever it happens to be. It is part of that. And uh, yeah, I think if they do close at the rate they're doing, there ain't going to be any industry left at all in another five or 10 years. It'll be there'll be nothing. I couldn't agree more. And it, it makes me very sad. You know, I'm a great uh, fan of the really old British pub. And I'm lucky to have uh, you know, quite a few near me, like really, really mm -hmm. old historic, you know, where the walls are like stone and two foot thick mm -hmm. and the, the beams of the ceiling you can touch with your hand and the roaring fire and the big chimneys, and, you know, really great pubs. And I, I'm going to be devastated if they don't last. But actually, interestingly, you know, I think the younger generation, you know, when I was young, going out was a thing, you know, it's a real thing. End of the week, let's go out, let's have a few drinks, let's see where the night takes us, let's have an adventure, end up in a club somewhere. Young people now, they don't go out, you know, they're not, they, they seem to have been affected more than us actually of our age by the scandemic years of like they don't really drink alcohol as much that's fine you know that's a lifestyle choice but it's the sociability they don't go to nightclubs mm -hmm. i'm like clutch my pearls in horror young people not going to nightclubs i lived in nightclubs you know they're just there's a very different mindset about socializing and of course when you've got digital technology why would you leave the house when you can socialize through a screen i think that is part of the problem young people who aren't married and haven't got kids usually are the ones with disposable income they go out they're not going going out so it's the problem is sort of following us it's not our generation i still do love to go out to the, the pub um but it's the ones coming behind us i think and i think they've been directly influenced by the last four years uh behavioral insight nudging all of that stuff and of course digital technology that we can't ignore that fact we can't one last uh, thing to round this off there's a lovely comment Gemma, in the live chat that i'm just going to read out to you uh, in relation to the conversation we're having uh, this is from lou uh, he's over in australia he said rick i manage an irish pub in canberra our patrons are very important to us as we are to them we aren't just a pub we are family 
our patrons. And that's a very good point, Lou. And I think that's what we're trying to get across here too. The pub is not just a place where people go to drink. For many people, it's a lifeline to connect with other people. Maybe they're alone, uh, elderly people especially, uh, use the pub as somewhere to go to connect with other human beings. And then, of course, you build up friendships, uh, you know, with the, the landlord and the landlord gets to know his regulars. And, you know, it does become more than just a business, doesn't it, Gemma? It's more than just a business. It's an actual uh, living uh, relationship that you have many times with your customers. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a regular in a few of my locals. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in my 50s. Of course, I know pub landlords. And mm-hmm. it's lovely to walk in and everyone greet you by name. It's lovely to walk in and mm-hmm. people say, oh, it's usual, you know, and, it, and it's lovely. And I, t- I take the dog and friends, we go, we take the dog. The dog the dog loves the pub more than me. She knows the way mm-hmm. to the pub on her own, I think, because she gets such a warm welcome and treats and a bowl of water and everyone makes a fuss of her because it's not just about going in and having a drink. It's not. You, c- you can do that at home. It's completely different. You're right. And fair play, Lou. Thank you for putting that comment in the chat because you you've really summed up what it is that a pub is no matter what part of the world you're in and um, how integral it is to socializing and connection that's the key here i think socializing and connection that's that's really what they were trying to get rid of four years ago and unfortunately it seems to be working maybe you and i rick should do a pop-up pub uh, at pop some up point pub. a pop-up to top up tnt pub and get a few of our regulars from the chat to come and have a few drinks with us and as we're talking and as we wrap this up, I'm hearing music in my ears and it's not the normal end of show music. I'm hearing the Cheers theme tune playing in my ears. You know, you want to go where everybody knows. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Wouldn't you like to get away where sometimes you want to go where everybody knows you. Anyway, uh, totally unscripted in case uh, we're ever accused of uh, following the script here in TNT. That was horrendous. Someday I will learn to sing. I will take vocal lessons. But in the meantime, I'll be happy to butcher other people's songs and TV theme tunes. Great topic. Uh, great way to uh, end off the week uh, together here, Gemma. So thank you very much. As always, uh, I've got to boot you off now and make room for someone else to come on in. And he'll be booted off and then Greg will come on and then we'll all be booted off for James Bloody Freeman. But anyway, uh, all that is still to come. So uh, don't go away. This is TNT, today's news talk. TNT's Kate Shimarani. They want you dead. It's a depopulation agenda. I hate to break it to you. The government are not your mummy and daddy. You are. Walk in authority. Take control of your own health. It's not the healthcare service. It's the homicide service. (laughs) That's what they're doing. From the minute you're born, they're injecting you. Actually, they're injecting you while you're in vitro now. It's about making you sick, keeping you sick, treating you, killing you, disposing you, and charging you for the luxury. And we don't want that. We want you to live a long and healthy life so that you too can look like Klaus Anal Schwab of the World Economic Forum, that bloke in the skin suit. We can live forever. We should be living till we're 120. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk TNT. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. 2. Think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighbourhood safer place. 3. 
it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, uh, still going at it here on Friday, the 23rd of February, 2024. Very happy to be joined on Locked and Loaded for the first time by uh, Andreas Nickley. Andreas, in his own words, is a proud father. He's a health and fitness entrepreneur and also an independent candidate for the Mayor of London. Andreas, how are you doing this fine Friday morning? Good morning. I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear it. And you know what? Uh, I was talking to a guy earlier on this week. His name is David McBride, and he's uh, facing 50 years in an Australian prison, potentially, for being a whistleblower, for blowing the whistle on uh, murders that were carried out by the ADF on civilians. He's called a whistleblower, right? Uh, but in the, in the first instance, he's a human being, all right? And he's a, he's a husband, and he's a father, and he's a son, and he's a good guy. I like the way you put down in your uh, description that first and foremost, you're a proud father. Never mind being a health and fitness guy. Never mind running for uh, independent candidate for mayor. It's important to remember we're human beings before we're any of these other things, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And I'd like to add to that, um, before, even before that, I'm just a normal guy. I'm a normal guy, born and broke right here in London, you know. Well, I'm glad to talk to you because uh, we have been covering uh, a lot over the last two years in TNT, uh, the war that's ongoing on motorists and on people in general, uh, my friend, to take us off the roads to make our life miserable. We're all going through a cost of living crisis at the minute. And I don't know anybody that says, yeah, the last two years have been really good for me. I'm much better off than I was back in 2020 or 2019 or 2021. Things are getting worse for everybody week on week, year on year, none more so I would say than the Londoners out there because they're being hit with charges left, right and centre uh, at the hands or should I say the paws or the cloven hooves uh, of none other than Sadiq Khan. You're not a big fan of his, are you? What's he ever done to annoy you? What hasn't he done to annoy me? That's, that's more of the question. Yeah, London seems to be at the moment like the sort of centre stage of the world for leading this tyranny on the 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 climate policies, net zero targets. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, I refer to Sadiq Khan as little man Khan because he just imposes these policies on us. I feel like he's got a, a very strong case of little man syndrome. He, he, there's very little consultation with experts, very little consultation with Londoners. Uh, when he does uh, consult with the experts, the, the data and the stats are completely um, uh, dodgy. He, he uses them as like a statistical construct. So with Khan, with Khan, like many politicians or many people of his ilk, uh, Andres, is it fair to say that he'll he he will uh, invite people to give feedback on his policies? He will acknowledge feedback on his policies, but then he'll proceed to do absolutely nothing with the feedback and the and the and the and the arguments that are being put forward to try and make Londoners' lives better. He'll pay you lip service, really, but in effect, uh, he's not he's not going to do anything that's going to make your life any better as uh, in his current position of mayor of London, is he? 
No, not at all. He he does exactly as you say. He um, you know, he'll use he'll he'll, for example, with Ulas, uh, I'm sure many of you know, you know, he'll he'll commission these um experts to re- produce a report, you know, to to back up his um policies. Those those um uh, experts, they'll go and do collect the data. Like with, for example, Ulas, they collected the. Um, uh, they monitored the air um, quality outside, just in three locations. One of those locations was outside the Blackwall Tunnel, where you can expect the the air quality is not going to be great there. Um, uh, the, the data, when it was collected, was collected by um, Imperial College London, um, yeah. and they've admitted since then that that the statistics um, that are being used by uh, Sadiq Khan it's a statistical construct. He claims that the the poor air quality in London is contributing to as many as four thousand deaths per year. This has been completely, um, yeah, it's a, it's a complete, it's a lie. You know, if he cared as much about knife crime as he does about the air quality outside the, these tunnels, I think London might actually be a better place if he was maybe to put his focus and attention into that. Why Why doesn't he do that? You know, we, we all know that I, you know, he, he must be on the payroll of somebody, allegedly anyway, because it seems to be he's basing his policies on pseudoscience. This isn't science that he's looking at. It's pseudoscience. It's fake science. It's false science. But yet... There it is, and there are these policies that are being, uh, and, and, and arguments that you're putting forward, that I'm putting forward, they go in one of his ears and straight out the other. Exactly. This is very typical of him. You know, he parades around on the world stage, virtue signaling every different, appeasing every different sort of woke ideology. Uh, I believe this, uh, is, you know, it's a mixture of like a woke ideology and just basically it's, for, it's a form of oppression. You know, people are being being like fined for the crime of driving to work or, you know, visiting a family member. This is a very typical what he does. And it's money that a lot of people actually don't have at the minute, is because it would be different if we were all flush, you know, if we were all, uh, we all had uh, oil oil fields that we could draw on. It's not Dubai that we're in here or Saudi Arabia, you know, where the money's uh, running hand over fist. A lot of people are struggling just to make ends meet and London's an incredibly expensive place to live. So having these ULEs fines and these congestion fines and toll fines added on to the other cost of living and the price of petrol going up and insurance is going up through the roof. Uh, anybody with a thinking brain in their head would realize that there's an all-out war on motors at the minute and can is at the absolute uh, tip of that spear. We've got to take a quick uh, headline break just for 30 seconds. When we come back at the other side, I know you've got a, a rally planned uh, for the 9th of March uh, at uh, City yep. Hall. I want you to tell us a little bit about that and also, of course, your own uh, uh, campaign that you're putting forward uh, to become the uh, independent uh, Mayor of London this year and who knows it could well be you but you tell us a little bit more about that when we come back on the other side here on TNT Today's News Talk Turn on the news I have a little news flash TNT Radio News Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines The world's fourth largest cell phone network suffered a nationwide outage in the US on Thursday sparking fears the telco may have fallen victim to a cyber attack China's told the World Court that international law grants Palestinians the right to use whatever force necessary to defend themselves against Israeli occupation. And the US is back on the moon after successfully landing its first spacecraft on the lunar surface in over half a century. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 
365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk. This is TNT Radio. Okay, Andreas, there's a rally coming up or a march coming up uh, on the 9th of March. Uh, Can out, 12 p.m. City Hall. Uh, Who's getting involved in that? Who's organizing that? And, uh, you know, obviously the message is loud and clear. You're not happy with this guy. You people won't be happy with this guy. Uh, But what do you reckon the outcome of this will be or what are you hoping to achieve from this rally? I think the main message we're trying to get across with this is that, you know, Khan, he's there to serve us, not the other way around. We're there to remind him who he works for. He works for the people, not the other way around. I think he wow. he's he's deluded at the moment. He's, he's in another world. He believes that he has some sort of power over us. And that's why I refer to him as Little Man Khan, because he's got this little man syndrome where he believes he has power over us. And it's, that's not the case. No, it's not. Uh, another thing uh, that I, I can remember covering a month or two ago was uh, they, were, they were banding about this idea of Project Detroit. Project Detroit over in London, investing heavily in the tech infrastructure, basically uh, looking towards charging motorists in London per mile. You know, so you, it would be almost a pay-as-you-go on your mobile phone. It would be pay-as-you-go for your car driving it around London. Uh, it just seems to be the charges are never-ending and the ways to squeeze and ring motorists out are never-ending. This Project Detroit business, um, is there a timescale for that or is it still in the planning phases? It's still in the planning phases at the moment. Um, I believe they've been working on it since 2021. Um, They've spent a considerable amount of money on it so far. I believe this is like the next sort of era of ULES, LES congestion charge. It was always building up to that. Because if you look at the, the ULES cameras, the infrastructure that was put in place with it, it was all based for this. This is what they've been leading up to, a paper mile system. I don't know if you uh, have you thought about this one or not, but I remember when I first covered this story, I thought the name was very unusual. Okay, so there, it's a it's a scheme for London, but they're calling it Project Detroit. And if you know uh, about the American motor industry, uh, Detroit was like the hotbed for the car industry in America. And then uh, Detroit fell apart and the car industry fell apart at the same time as, you know, Detroit went into a recession and decline. So it was called the Motor City, Detroit Motor City. Don't if you ever followed uh, uh, boxing, but Tommy Hearns, you know, the Motor City Cobra, uh, he was from Detroit originally. But I think it was interesting that they've branded this project Detroit because to me, Detroit is uh, synonymous with the decline of the motor industry and recession and poverty in America. Odd that he should call this thing for London Project Detroit, don't you think? It is very odd. What, something else I find um, uh, equally as interesting is that if you look at, um, for example, we have the Labour, Khan, we have Susan Hall, Conservatives, you know, she's trying to offer something, appear to what to, to be offering something different. She said she'll bring the boundary back to the A406. So she's appearing to offer something different. Uh, however, she's not saying, she's clearly said, in fact, she will not remove the infrastructure. So that is in almost in essence telling me that she'll bring the boundary back, but then in one, two, three, whenever the Project Detroit is ready to launch, she'll launch it you know that's where we're heading 
You know, there's no uh, meaningful distinction between the two parties for me. They're one big uni party. They're all heading the same direction. Yeah, they are. And the thing is, you mentioned there about uh, the amount of money that's been invested in actually putting these uh, ULES cameras up, uh, putting the administration into place to process all these fines. Uh, in Wales, as I'm sure you know, they have they've their own war on motorists too. They have the 20 miles an hour speed limit that's been enforced in just about everywhere in Wales, uh, apart from you know rural, fast country roads. They, they claim that despite the fact there's been a huge public backlash against this and over half a million people signed a petition to have this uh, 20 miles an hour limit scrapped, they said, well, we've invested a lot of money in this. You know, we've invested tens of millions of pounds rebranding uh, road signs to show 20 miles an hour, paying for awareness campaigns, paying for advertising campaigns. It's almost like they're saying, uh, Andres, well, look, we've spent a lot of money in this. We can't just push it to the side, even if you don't like it. Is that the same vibes you're getting with the, the money that's been pumped into the ULEs? Whether or not there's a backlash, it's like, well, we've spent hundreds of millions. Uh, we need to recoup some of that back. That's part of their justification for keeping it in place. I think they're one step further here in London. They ju he just simply does not care what Londoners think. He's just going to do it anyway. He's not going to justify it. You know, he, he always brings it back to the 4,000 deaths every year, which we all know is a lie. It's absolute. I, I don't want to swear, but it's absolute bull. It is it's it complete is. wrong. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I, if you... Sorry. And the thing is, the thing is too, but at the minute, right, even if it was correct, which it's not, even if it was correct, there's 8 million people on NHS waiting lists at the minute, you know, de excess deaths at the minute are going through the roof in all ages of people. You look at the amount of people that are sitting on trolleys, uh, can't get uh, seen in the NHS. So priorities, my friend, priorities has to be in there too. So even if, and it's not true, there was 4,000 people dying a year from, from uh, congestion in London, there's a hell of a lot more than 4,000 Londoners dying every year because of a lack of uh, management expertise, for example, in the NHS. Yeah, there is far, well, I mean, the NHS, for example, is outside of the mayor's sort of purview mm. of his control. However, there is far more pressing issues in London. You know, we have a knife crime epidemic. Our police mm. forces in special measures. You know, children are dying on an almost weekly basis here due to knife crime. This is this to me is the the main focus of what uh, Little Mind Khan should be concentrating on. He just completely ignores it. Every time, you know, we, we get a death, it's just like he does not care. He, he reverts it back to his, his usual rubbish. Well, tell me this, uh, you know, I'm talking, I've, I've been speaking to a few people over the last few months that are they're hope, hopeful uh, candidates for uh, Mayor of London. Uh, when is the uh, when is this all going to have, has the date actually been set for the elections or when are we expecting people to make that decision? So the elections are on the 2nd of May this year. Um, there's a chance it may be shifted slightly if there's a general election with uh, um, the the main government, central government uh, uh -huh. elections. Uh, however, yeah, it's set for the 2nd of May at the moment. Okay, so uh, between now, we're into we're nearly into March now, April, May. You've got about you know, 10 weeks or so left to go. Where is the best place that people can find out a little bit more about you uh, in terms of uh, what you're standing for, uh, why they should vote for you? Uh, do you have a dedicated website for that? I have a, a you, you seem to be a very prominent on Instagram. Uh, that's where I've uh, got some information about you from. But do you have anywhere else that people would be better than that to go and find out about what you're doing? 
Yeah, of course. Um, uh, firstly, uh, I'd like to mention my website. So it's uh, my surname, which is M-I-C-H-L-I.co.uk. So it's mickley.co.uk. You can find absolutely everything about the campaign there. You can read my full manifesto of policies, something which none of the other candidates have yet yet um, published. Nobody's yet published a full set of manifesto of po policies. Um, I'm the only candidate as well to have um, made a complete um, thorough knife crime plan. I've consulted with experts in this field, um, police officers of 35 years, we've made a complete knife crime plan. This is something we, that has to be addressed. Uh, like you said, I'm very prominent on uh, Instagram. We've got a lot of social media channels. We're on all the main social media channels. Yeah. And search under Andreas, A-N-D-R-E-A-S, Mickley. And I'm just spelling that out in case somebody can't understand my accent. It's M-I-C-H-L-I. And the website, most importantly, that's really the hub where you can find out about what Andreas is about and how you can support him. Mickley, M-I-C-H-L-I dot co dot UK. Listen, it's been an absolute blast talking to you here this morning, but time has run away with us uh, and we've got to stop the conversation as per now, but maybe uh, we'll talk again uh, just before uh, the elections or maybe sometime that's convenient for you just to get an update on what you're about. And in the meantime, just a big thanks to you, Andres, for taking the time out of your day uh, to talk to us and I hope you have a good weekend, okay? Thank you very much for having me on and I hope to see everyone on the 9th of March outside City Hall. Yep, uh, indeed, indeed, uh, go and uh, show some love for Andres and some hate for old slimy Sadiq Khan, a little man Khan, as he's referred to by uh, Big Andres here as well. So listen, you have a good weekend. It's been a blast. Uh, I'll be back at the other side of the ads with Greg Mabry to round off the week here on Locked and Loaded TNT. Don't go away. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The United States has really been sold a bill of goods, and I've talked about this several times. I've talked about the people that are running this country are literally bullying the United States. And it's hard to believe that the American people actually let them get away with it, except that if you watch, let's say, Jesse Waters' prime time sometimes, and you see the man on the street interviews, you realize these people, and they're all voting, know nothing about what's going on. Or maybe even less than nothing if that's possible. Now, it's fascinating. We talked about the coal plant issue a couple of days ago. How have carbon emissions changed since 2000. China is up 208%. India is up 158%. Other countries are up 53%. The US is down 10%. Europe is down 16%. Now, here is the question. How is the United States letting these other countries get away with it? And it's kind of simple to understand that the complacency and comfort of the capitalist system and freedom that has developed in the United States is building the road it's riding to its own death. Why? Because they're allowing our leaders to simply do whatever they want to do while other countries get away with it. And you want to know something? I don't have anything against China and India for trying to improve their way of life. But why is it the United States and Europe are committing suicide? This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. She was reading at a second grade level in kindergarten. Pod four swimming before she was seven. Finally convinced mom to get her ears pierced in the third grade. Came in second at her fifth grade spelling bee. Drill team in the seventh. 
And with one stroke of the keyboard. One click of the mouse. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Report a cyber tip today. In a secret lab, somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. Now you listen here. He's a very naughty boy. TNT Radio. Now go away. Okay, it's uh, Friday the 23rd, uh, last uh, session of the week. I'm super happy to be joined again after what seems like an eternity by my old sparring partner from uh, Western Australia, none other than Greg Mabry. Greg, it's the first time I've ever seen you wearing a shirt and a jumper. What happened? Well, it's actually a T-shirt with a, it's a, a, a two-color. Yeah, it's just got a blue collar. A dark See, my eyesight's not good, man. My <laughs> eyesight is getting worse. I have to yeah. squint now like this when I'm stirring yeah. it. In fact, I actually have to write on a piece of paper what the date is because I can't see it on my computer anymore. So I apologize for that. Okay, it's a very nice, it's a very nice t-shirt, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's a very nice t-shirt. Don't fall out with me. Well, Happy New Year anyway, because it does seem like a long time since we've last spoke, but I'm really glad to get you back on again. Uh, thanks for having us, uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, there's a lot of water has passed under the bridge, as you know, since the last time you and I talked. Uh, in fact, the last time you and I talked, I think, was just after uh, the October the 7th business in the Middle East. So that's still ongoing and getting worse. Uh, the genocide that's happening out there in Palestine is getting worse. It's not getting any better. It's... And of course, it's been a huge week this week. We'll come to that uh, shortly, but there's been a huge week this week as well for TNT and Julian Assange, we were in London uh, in situ covering the, the the case at the High Court over the last few days. Uh, a real landmark case, this one. If it doesn't go Assange's way, it doesn't bode well for the rest of uh, journalism, especially investigative journalism that exposes uh, a lot of uh, wickedness and evil amongst uh, governments, would you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean... Um the Julian Assange situation to me epitomizes uh, everything that's wrong with the so-called um, freedom, democracy, all of those values that um, the West treasures or purports to treasure and hold dear. Uh, and yet Julian Assange is like, um, you know, he's like the, the standout case, if you like. He is the... Uh, he epitomizes everything that is actually wrong with the system that everybody maintains, that's the powers that be, maintain is, you know, this incredible land of freedom and democracy and, and liberty and, and, and what have you. And, and what makes it even worse, Rick, is that so many people, you know, the Bidens and the, uh, and, and, and the, you know, all the prime ministers of different countries, coming out and complaining about Russia, particularly over the Navalny case this week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that uh, Navalny, of course, died in prison. And, you know, they're waxing lyrical about, you know, the, the bad treatment uh, that he has received at the hands of Putin. Uh, and yet, you know, right in our own backyard, uh, in Britain, of course, we've got Julian Assange, an Australian, of course, uh, who has been languishing in jail uh, you know, for several years now without having any charges laid against him. It's a complete and total mockery of the justice system in the West. And mm -hmm. if 
if we are supposed to be or epitomize justice in this world, and that's what we do, we constantly sort of extolling the virtues of justice, freedom and liberty and freedom of the press and all of this sort of thing. And yet Julian Assange, Assange is the absolute sort of uh, case study for basically decrying everything that we're supposed to stand for. It's absolutely appalling uh, what is taking place. It is good to see, though, that uh, there has been, uh, in the lead up to the case, Rick, there has been a, a, an enormous amount of uh, interest uh, taken by people perhaps that haven't taken a great deal of interest in it before. Uh, I noticed that, you know, for example, now uh, Amnesty International and organisations like that are taking more of a proactive Mm -hmm. uh, interest in, uh, you know, promoting the case and promoting and, and pushing for Julian Assange's uh, release. Uh, and, of course, we've got in each of the individual countries, there are sort of various politicians and public figures who are coming out now and saying it's time that he was released. And it's not just a matter of calling for him uh, not to be extradited. It's a matter of calling for... Uh, uh, the the what the for him to be released completely, and not just sort of to continue to languish in 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 Belmarsh Prison. Uh, how it's going to transpire, I you know, to be a brave person to sort of guess as to how it's going to transpire. I don't hold out a huge amount of hope. Uh, I'm quietly confident that that some positive. Uh, uh, thing will come out of it. And, of course, we've got to keep up the the pressure. I think it's important that, uh, you know, people get out there and make their feelings felt. How it's going to play out, though, Rick, I have I would not like to make the call. I did read something on X today where somebody was saying that um, they mentioned the phrase the, the, the punishment uh, is the process. So that, in other words, that person was suggesting that ultimately he may be freed. But I think that's probably being pretty optimistic. Uh, mm -hmm. But it was an interesting comment in any event, you know. The punishment uh, is the process. Punishment or the is process the process. Is the punishment. I'll tell you something else. It's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you know this one or not, but I did a little bit of research myself on the X platform when it comes to Assange. Now, as you know, uh, X was bought over, or Twitter was bought over by Elon Musk, uh, rebranded X. And of course, he was saying he wants to reintroduce freedom of speech for everybody. And, you know, he wants to get behind it 100%. I don't know if you know this or not, but he, he is, do you know how many times he's commented on Assange over the last five years? I'd probably be able to count them on half on a on you know uh, on a half once, a hand. Once, once. he has yeah. made one post. Now this is a fact. You can go on if when the show's over, go on the Elon Musk's X profile and search Assange. You will find a single solitary post in relation to Julian Assange from 2022. And in that post, Musk also iterates he's not expressing an opinion on Assange. He put it out to a Twitter poll as to whether or not he should be freed or not. Don't you think it's a little bit odd that the so-called champion and, uh, you know, bastion of freedom of speech hasn't even made a comment on the Assange business, whether it be positive or negative? Silence. Silence. Is that not a bit bizarre? Uh, complete silence. In fact, it's, uh, it's, 
it's probably one of the key pieces of evidence if anybody needs any further evidence that uh, Muskie's talk about free speech and all of this sort of thing is really just a lot of hot air, to be honest with you. I see different things sort of happening on X that lead me to believe, is this guy really serious? Uh, not the least of which is, uh, you know, there have been several accounts that have been suspended. Fortunately, not mine. I've tried to sort of, you know, uh, uh, you know to be reasonably careful about what I put out there. But it just seems to me, though, that um, Muskie's having an each-way bet or he's, he's putting it out there, I'm the champion of free speech, but I'm still going to sort of, you know, uh, curtail your reach um, via the... Exp I'm not going to let it get too out of hand. And we have to remember, of course, um, that um, the Zionists and, you know, Israel has been putting a lot of pressure on, on, uh, on Musk uh, to curtail, you know, uh, alleged anti-Semitism. Uh, not that I see a lot of anti-Semitism as such. It's always overblown in any event. Uh, and he has had to buckle down um, uh, and kowtow to Netanyahu and his crew in Tel Aviv. So I, I don't. I really take uh, Musk's uh, declaration as being sort of a champion of free speech. He might not phrase it that way, but that's how he purports to be: is that I'm the big champion of free speech. That's why I got bought Twitter. I wanted to sort of reinstate free speech as a core pillar of of our uh, our public dialogue and, and political discourse. I can't see that happening. It's certainly better than what it was. There's no question yeah. about that. But it's certainly not the bastion of free speech that he has led everybody to believe. Well, it's it odd. Be. It's it's odd. It's like it's like TNT, right? It's like TNT. Imagine we are putting ourselves forward, which we are, as lighting the fuse for freedom. Uh, we're uncensored. We're unregulated. We just call a spade a spade. Now, imagine if TNT for the last two years that we've been on our just over two years, imagine we never mentioned at this case at all or this week when it's been covered in london you know we're on the ground doing live broadcasting getting guests on hand over fist to talk about this issue some people have different views on it but we give everybody uh, a platform exactly. you don't discriminate now imagine we had completely ignored this just this one case in particular would that not put a humongous question mark over the validity of TNT, whether or not they're actually really advocates of free speech or not. But yet people seem to put the blinkers on when it comes to Musk, who's done effectively exactly the same thing on the X platform. Well, exactly. In fact, I made it, I uh, uh, delivered a tweet a couple of weeks back, I think, you know, and, and I actually called out on Musk. I tagged him on it. Hmm. Not that he's going to take a lot of notice of me, but uh, I it was in response to something that somebody else had said, oh, Muskie, come on, if you're real serious about this free speech thing, here's the ideal campaign to get behind and demonstrate your bona fides. I'm not sure if I used it in quite those words, but that was the message that I was trying to get. Now, I'm still waiting on Elon to get back to me, <laughs> but I, I'm not holding my breath, Rick, if you know what I mean. But, you know, the point was still made. He has perhaps the most powerful, influential platform in the social media uh, sphere. And if he if he really wanted to uh, put people's doubts to bed about where he's coming from in the free speech department, here's a classic opening for him. I'm going to use X as a platform to campaign for Julian Assange's immediate release. He could do that. And whether it would change anything, whether it would... Um, 
bring about a the sort of outcome that we're looking for is another thing, but it would certainly send a very strong signal, A, about Assange and where he's coming from, and B, create a hell of a lot more awareness about the Assange case, which is what we desperately need. Now, we need a lot more awareness about his plight, and it's not just uh, Julian Assange's plight either. This is a... Uh, a bellwether test, if you like, for how, uh, where any of us are going to be going in the future. If they succeed in putting him behind bars for another 150 years, um, you know, it's it's game over. It's certainly game over for, um, for Julian Assange, and they're going to come after us. If they take him down, they're going to come after the rest of us, uh, an observation yeah. that a number of people have made, and I, I, I believe that. I do too. And the also the thing to note as well about the uh, Australian government, obviously they put it to the vote and I think it was 80-40 80, 80, or there and thereabouts were in favour of, you know, Assange being released and brought back. For years, uh, he's been in Belmarsh for five years, Greg. Yeah. And before that, he was in uh, the Ecuadorian embassy for around about seven years. So it's That's 12 great. years in total. And I, I mean, like if the Australian government aren't a bunch of Johnny-come-latelys in this one right now, I don't know uh, who would be. However, having said that, at least there's a little bit of pressure now being exerted by the Aussies uh, on the Brits to release Assange and send him back to Australia. I know it's the political point score, but what I'm trying to get at is there's never been more attention on this case as there is right now. And anything to get attention to Assange's plight is a positive thing, even if the motives aren't necessarily good, for example, when it comes to Albanese's government. Yeah. Um, where I'm not sure where um, or how much impact um, Australia's pushback uh, is having. Uh, I'm not sure that it will. I mean, we're just another, uh, you know, the 51st state of America. We're not really taking all that seriously. Um, the fact that he is an Australian citizen uh, and the fact that previous governments have done little or nothing uh, whether they be Labor or Liberal, have done little or nothing to proactively push for his release. They've paid lip service to it from time to time and, you know, they've sort of, uh, you know, they've made approaches to various um, uh, people at higher levels in the US government. But I think a lot of that is just sort of, um, you know, them sort of going through the motions and hopefully, you know, they're, aim really is basic to appease those people here in Australia who um, uh, would like to see Assange released. But what they're doing is that they're just sort of, uh, you know, making it appear like they're actually doing something when in fact it's not really a great priority for them. But at the end of no. the day, one wonders even if they did make it a priority, um, you know, just what effect that would have. I think, though, at this point in time, they really need to pull out all stops. Albanese really needs to say, hang on, mate, this is it. This is enough. And yeah. um, it's just one chance. It's just one chance to actually do do the right thing yeah. and actually get a spine and grow up her as a man and do what's right uh, for Assange as a journalist and of course as a father and a husband because he's a human being above uh, everything else. Greg, we're nearly out of time here. Uh, in case I don't uh, get it done before the top of the hour, uh, just direct people your way on the on the Twitter platform at G J Maybury M A Y B U R Y. Follow yeah. him on there, and of course, uh, more importantly, I think. 
fantastic is Substack page, uh, gregmaybury.substack.com. Go on there. His writing is fantastic. Go on there and support him on there if you can. And he's a thoroughly decent chap. And just uh, a shout out uh, to the live chat. Uh, Denizen's here this morning. You've been fantastic. And old James Freeman uh, had an eye-popping comment in there whenever I said, I got to make room for James bloody Freeman. Yes, that's what I said, but I meant it tongue firmly in cheek. I think James knows that. And he is coming up right now. And I always do give him a little bit of a plug. So please do stay tuned for James Freeman. He's incoming now with the Freeman Report. Greg Mabry, massive thanks to you as always for taking your Friday night uh, to talk to me. Hopefully we'll do it again sooner rather than later. And for all you listeners out there, have a fantastic weekend. And I shall be back hopefully on Monday morning with more of the same, more magic, more wonderment, more amazing content here on TNT, today's news talk. Catch you later, chaps. Mm-hmm.